Alright, we are back after some technical issues, as per always with the podcast. Um, so, I hope everyone has had a break, had some some snackages, and, and had a, a visit to the bathroom. Um, as is always the case with the podcast, we will be obviously focusing on what we're talking about, and... Uh, well, I haven't actually silenced the alerts because I'm having one of those days. Um, the, the alerts will be off uh, <laughs> momentarily. <laughs> but I will allow uh, uh, my co-host to uh, distract you all with introducing the podcast while I do some technical stuff. Excellent. Hello everyone, welcome to the Through Our Eyes podcast. We are on episode nobody knows anymore because there's been far too many 26. of them. And 26, that is actually countable, but you know, it's much more interesting <laughs> if we say millions and million episodes. Yes, welcome in. Yes, today we're recording the 26th episode, which is a little different from our usual episodes because today is going to be an update. But yes, this is the podcast where we get together and we talk with marginalised creators about their lives and their experiences and everything that makes up them and what they have been through and answering some of those awkward questions that you want to know the answers to but you don't particularly want to ask i've had some changes i'm not arthromis anymore hello i'm pandemonium welcome in uh, i've been going by the nickname pam for a while since i started figuring out my identity as demi femme and not quite woman which essentially means i'm a woman you'll perceive me that way but i don't really give a fuck so that's kind of where I'm at. So you're welcome to call me Pan or Pandemonium or whichever you prefer. But that's just me. Drac has currently headbutted a table. So I don't know if we're going to get an, uh, you know, an introduction from them I'm anytime soon. So that's fine. I'm closing <laughs> the curtain because my cat decided that that was the time to go through the curtain. <laughs> perfection. Absolute perfection. <laughs> it's one of those episodes um hi yes i'm drac uh i um the uh the co-host of of uh, the through our eyes uh podcast uh this has been like our our joint pet project since the first through our eyes uh uh big stream where we highlighted um everyone uh in a in a group setting on on panza page um to have bigger discussions and realized that actually it's it's quite difficult to to get um into the nitty-gritty of individual uh stories um so that's where this came about so that we could highlight people on on a more one-to-one -one basis um i can't remember where i was going with that but um today we we do have a return a return interviewee which is 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 new and unusual and completely and utterly unstructured and terrifying um <laughs> <laughs> would you like to life. introduce yourself your your pronouns your handles and what you're here to talk to us about today yeah all right um, I am Commander Plater, or Joe, depending on where you know me from. Uh, pronouns are he, him. Uh, and I can be found on the interwebs in various different places. YouTube, 
Twitch. Uh, typically, if you just search Plater on either YouTube or Twitch, you will find me. And pretty much the same over on Twitter as well. That's at Ask Sensei Plater. A little bit different from the Commander stuff everywhere else. But yeah, um, what else was I supposed to say? What else am I supposed to do in this bit? Explain what why I'm here? back? Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is like number four that I've been in for like because we've had the the ensembles i've had an individual and now i'm back um but yeah i'm here because i have a, a rare type of uh incurable cancer um named uh poorly differentiated thyroid cancer which is actually different from the last time i was on because <laughs> stuff's happened uh so yeah i'm basically kind of here to talk about life with it um how it affects you from a day-to-day basis things like um how it affects eating or going out and doing very simple things like going for a walk or um, socialising, stuff like that, all the way through to the really kind of probably the, the more harrowing stuff, um, which is what people may need to um, check themselves for, is more the psychological stuff, um, stress, pressure, you know, anxiety, lots of anxiety. And as always with the podcast, uh, we do have um, room for audience uh, submitted questions. I do have some that have been submitted prior to it so that we could like have them ready to go. But if a question comes up uh, during the podcast, you can submit it through the Channel Point Redemptions. Um, but we will address them towards the end um as as per usual with the podcast um so um sorry random sounds coming from uh um the other room um let's start with a little summary uh for those who maybe have missed the previous episodes or or you know haven't haven't met you before could you give us a little rundown as to the story before the update. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, it's, it's a saga at this point. I feel like it's been going on longer than the Jurassic Park movies. Um, <laughs> but right, so uh, six years ago, I was diagnosed with follicular thyroid cancer whilst having what we thought was a polynodule goiter removed from the left side of my neck. Uh, went in for surgery, came out of surgery, totally fine. You know, we, we just went, cool, right, wicked. Straight home, recovered two weeks back at work, no worries. Um, went in, had a um, meeting with a surgeon, and he was like, 80% chance um, you're, you're nothing to worry about, 20% chance could be cancer. Had me back two weeks later, bosh, you got cancer. Um, obviously, at that point, I'm like, what the fuck? Um, how am I supposed to deal with this? You know, like, I, I can't have cancer. I've, I'm too healthy. You know, it's your immediate thoughts is too healthy, can't have can't have cancer it's ridiculous um but yeah it turned out um i had the good kind of cancer um which is a phrase that doctors use that we hate um and they still use they are still using um uh where it's supposed to be super curable super treatable get rid of it um have a couple of treatments over the following couple of years um it doesn't get cured it doesn't improve in fact i stop absorbing the treatment it's this radioactive iodine stuff take a tablet in hospital gets absorbed and it shows up on a scan if it stops being absorbed um one of two things has happened one you're cured two 
you've stopped responding to it because it's mutated and it's got worse. Um, classic me, it was the worst side of things. Um, and at which point I found some more stuff growing in the left side of my neck, went in for surgery. We were now about three years ago, um, had it removed and I had a lot of stuff stripped out. Um, so I had, um, muscle, uh, blood vessels, nerves, all stripped out of my neck, um, lymph nodes, all that kind of stuff removed. And I, um, then found out a couple of weeks after that, um, that, it was something called anaplastic thyroid cancer and I had months to live. Now that was years ago. So something weird's happened in between. Uh, I went through chemotherapy, did six cycles of the worst chemotherapy they have. Um, like the stuff where people don't finish it. They're like, actually no one really completes six cycles. And I was like, well, you told me I had to. So I did it. You know, that was my, my view on it. Um, had that done. And it kept things stable for about eight months, which was unexpected. It's probably not what should have happened. Um, I then started a new treatment that was available at the time um, called Lenvatinib, which is uh, called uh, a TKI or tyrosine kinase inhibitor. Started that. Um, I was on that for about a year and that kept everything pretty much stable for a year again. Um, that came with a huge number of side effects. And I think last time we spoke, I was on that. Um, and that was, uh, you know, it gives you awful, lost so much weight. Um, we spent a lot of time running into the toilet and I had to throw up diarrhea, um, nausea, like just pain, foot pain, losing all the skin off my feet, stuff like that. Um, and then it stopped working. So, um, that was about this time last year, it stopped working and I got handed over to the Royal Master and referred mm. to them. At which point we discovered after my samples from my surgery were re-examined that I didn't have anaplastic thyroid cancer. Um, I had poorly differentiated thyroid cancer, which isn't quite as bad, which is positive. Uh, the only problem is, is that between, well, I had some radiotherapy as well um, about August last year, had that to the chest um, that caused awful side effects i couldn't breathe basically coughing 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 and bearing in mind we're in a you know a covid world at this point so obviously worried and i'm taking covid tests every other week until the coughing's gone and i definitely don't I definitely don't have covid no it's like keep checking we know what's causing it um did it cause steroids that was messed up <laughs> messed me up even more really upset my stomach um then i started a new treatment called cabozantinib uh, which is again another another TKI. Uh, I've been on that for well, uh, I don't know, eight months now. I think a little bit longer than eight months. Um, but yeah, in October last well, October last year, started getting back pain, and um, that sucked. But I was like, mm. oh well, I guess it's just back pain. You know, it's I'm spend too much time sitting in a chair. Um, I lie around all the time. I don't really move around much. It's probably what's happening. Um, I then in November, I get rushed to hospital with pain so bad I couldn't move in my back, like proper tensed up, crunched up. Like I can't, I'm at this, I'm like, I can't move. I can't actually move to the point where my wife had to help me in and out of bed. Um, and that was the first time I've not been able to do something so simple. It was just, I couldn't sit up. I couldn't push up. I couldn't push off, um, have an MRI done, have a CT done. 
um, have a bone scan done, and we find out it has spread to my spine at that point in three different places. Also spread to my pelvis. Uh, we also know it spread to my ribs. Um, it has also uh, spread to my liver. Now, all of that seems to have happened in that tiny little gap where I wasn't on any treatment. And then once I started the caprosantinib, things have been reasonably stable. Um, I still have some in my neck, um, which I was meant to have had surgery on a couple of weeks ago, but they cancelled it on me two days before. Which, it's pr if anyone's ever had surgery, you know that it really it stresses you out. You, you gear yourself up for it. You really, really gear yourself up for it. And then they pull the carpet out from underneath you and you're like, ah, what the hell? What am I supposed to do now? I was going to be having treatment, which is going to improve my situation. Uh, but one of the reasons why they cancelled it is because it turns out the surgeon that did my neck dissection, mm. where I had all the, all the stuff removed, didn't remove something that he told everyone he did. Um, that thing being the left laryngeal nerve, which goes to your vocal cords. So, you know, you can talk. Um, I have spent the last couple of years thinking that my vocal cords were um, paralysed 50%, and my voice was just strong because I worked on it and really practised hard. No, it turns out it's it's good because it works, and they hadn't removed what the, I thought they'd removed, leading me to um, this situation where they cancelled the surgery because of thinking it would be too much of a risk to me. So yeah, that's pretty much where we are. Uh, I'm still battling to speak to the surgeons who made the decision and get them to explain it to me why we're waiting rather than doing it. You know, and it's but yeah, that's that's um that's a story. That's like six years in a pretty small space of time. So, I mean, obviously, this is a lot to to unpack for for a lot of us. Um, I want to say that I'm surprised, but it pretty much sounds exactly like what happened with my granddad last year. So, um, which is extremely triggering for me. Um, but it's, I feeling, I feel it highlights something that is quite an important topic to, to discuss here is that who gets to decide who, what surgery and what treatment you get as an individual and how you can tackle that. Mm. Now, what, what has been your experience with that? I feel like that's something that we should, we should focus in on because that's, that's extremely, it's something that no one really thinks of until they get to the surgery yeah. and then suddenly it's like, there's this one thing that you don't even really get a say in. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one because you think about your normal experience with going to a doctor. Like, you feel sick, you feel unwell, you go to a doctor, you think you need some antibiotics. So why most people go to the doctor, really, they go with a wish list or a shopping list, and the shopping list is antibiotics and something for the pain, maybe. And, and that's typically what, you, you know, it's people go, and they're like, oh, I've got a cough, this isn't going, I've got a sore throat, I'll just get some antibiotics, it'll be fine. Um, you think you're going with the shopping list and the doctor goes, mm, yeah, 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 they, yeah, we'll give you this one off the list. Click, here you go, and they print it out for you. Um, cancer treatment is very different. It's a very, very different experience. 
you get put out in front of you what is available. And then there's a bunch of backup stuff as well that then becomes available if the situation changes or worsens. So for me, I went when I went when I was referred to the Royal Marsden, uh, we were out of options with the um with uh Mount Vernon Hospital where I was being treated before. They were out of options. They had no drugs they could give me. They they were like, We've given you everything. We don't have access to um anything except for more of the chemotherapy you've already had and you've had a you've had a maximum lifetime amount of some of that already you can never have some of that again it's like cool right well then uh i'll be referred so you get referred and they say to you okay well you've had everything that we can offer normally off the shelf so we're going to see if we can get you something um something special that you can't normally get right okay but, uh, there are no trials available at the moment that you qualify for so there's nothing um no super soldier program no become captain america can't do that for you all that kind of stuff like that's out you know there's no special stuff okay but we do have this stuff that has reassuring results from america from a study that was just been completed so we're going to request it it isn't normally used for this type of cancer but request it and then you wait a month and a bit for funding to come through because the nhs funds it um and they buy it directly from the uh, pharmaceutical company at cost price which um in my case the drug that i'm on is uh for three months worth you're looking at i think around about um eighteen thousand pounds like if, if you were to buy it privately that's how much it would cost which is obscene um and then the other thing is they go oh in between in, in the meantime we think it'd be good if you do this and you're given advice and recommendations um so like oh we think about you know maybe doing this this radiotherapy um and at the time i didn't have any symptoms or side effects but i did have a very uh, had a mass growing in my right lung that was kind of ready to essentially where you where your um where your your um your trachea comes down and splits off uh, it was wrapped around, basically, around one of them. So it was in a position where it just squeeze and cut off a lung, essentially, if left. So I was like, well, sounds like I should have that. And they're like, okay, cool. And I was in the week after. Like, just absolutely shocked. I was in the week after. I had, I've got a little, um, a little tattoo in uh, the centre of my chest from where they did marking. It's um, unfortunately not very interesting. It's just a dot. Um, <laughs> it just looks like a blackhead that I haven't got rid of. You know, it's like, oh, no, 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 it's really... I'm, can't get rid of it it's just there i'm not um, going to turn it into a dragon or anything it would be a bit extreme wouldn't it you, you uh, sure you didn't want to just put like pinprick. an arrow towards it like, just, <laughs> just... the thing is that's not even the place they zap as well <laughs> they, they, they use it for they use it they use it for triangulation so um they they literally look at you lie you down and go well your nipples are there we'll put a dot here and then we know it's this far from this nipple and this far from um from this and from the dot and then they they zap you and that's that's how that works but yeah you get offered um advice almost and you typically go yeah okay i'll do that um and when i got a call initially about like the surgery saying oh you've got something rapidly growing in your neck we want to do surgery i'm like okay cool let's do it and they're like we want to be aggressive with this we're going to be aggressive and i'm like cool i like aggression um aggression is fighting you know and 
you've got to fight and you it's 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 a chance to take a chunk away and recover from that um to me surgery recovery is a very simple process it's uh you lie around for a bit and it's over you know it's and you're good to go um and i was looking forward to that and when they kind of went oh we're not doing that we've decided against it they just cancelled it they called me up two days before cancelled it um and i didn't get it didn't get communicated very well and that's one of the issues that um you can sometimes have in in healthcare is communication um i have plenty of examples of that <laughs> where communication hasn't been particularly good so it's um but yeah that, that's that's how it works you know they give you options you pick stuff um the longer the list the 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 less sick you are typically shorter the list the sicker you are and uh my list is pretty short at the moment on what i'm able to to get i feel like also the the system could use some clarity on um at which point someone gets to decide that you don't you, it wouldn't be beneficial for you to go through that or that you it would be too much of a risk especially when it comes to things like terminal illness it's like well your version of you know putting someone at risk going through a surgery is different from me living with something that is going to increasingly affect my my ability to to f function day to day yeah. so that must be quite something to to have to deal with like being how do you how do you cope with the the idea of of someone telling you that you aren't don't qualify for for that particular surgery just based on their interpretation um, you don't take it well <laughs> it, that that's the answer it's um i'm gonna 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 use um a wonderful metaphor um it literally is this type of cancer it literally is the noose around my neck um and because i've got it's, it's about kind of it's in the thyroid bed so it's like just you know above the collarbone slightly off to the left hand side I have got something in there that's 2.4 centimeters across and it's wide as margin, and it is now touching my esophagus. So it's beginning to invade another structure. And when cancer does that, it's sticky, it latches on, it pushes other cells out the way, it um it wraps up, it tightens, it 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 it, it will eventually get to the point where eating will become a struggle if it's left un unchecked. So it's very difficult for me to reconcile the logic behind, well, get out now then. You know, it's only become more difficult to someone saying, ah, but you could lose your voice. I was like, okay. But then if it gets worse, and then we then later on decide to do the surgery, have I still not got that risk? But I'm at greater risk because there's even more. Yeah, you, know, you get this. What? Why are we not? doing something about it or why didn't we do something about it earlier like we knew it was there earlier and it was too small to extract because you have this you have this, this sweet spot with cancer where it gets to a size where you can go in you open someone up and it's there and you go cool great you put it out poof, done 
or it's too small or it's too big and if it's too big it's it's wrapped around too much important stuff which is kind of where i was um three years ago it, they didn't know it was going to be as big i was in for eight hours um in surgery for eight hours and they removed so much stuff um like they thought they had removed this uh, vocal cord nerve because they the doctor just said i saw it and went it's got to come out so i removed it so either i've got a spare one which is exceptionally rare which is highly unlikely <laughs> or it wasn't where they thought it was going to be which is probably more like it and um they they thought they'd removed it it's a so it's very weird when you've got this you're being told one thing by an expert but it goes against common sense Yes, unfortunately, that doesn't sound particularly surprising for some of the other conversations that I guess Jack and I have had with our own healthcare professionals and with other people we've spoken to. But unfortunately, well, I say unfortunately, but not to your degree, which is, if I may say, an absolute monumental fuck up. And I'm so sorry, mate. And I, I wish there was anything we could do, but we know there ain't. So the best we can do is say, fucking get on with it, doctors. <laughs> sort him out. Well, I mean, sort I've, him out. I've... I've had I've had some more. I mean, the NHS is brilliant, and this is you know you know whenever someone starts a sentence with that, they're about to dump all over it. So the yeah. NHS is great. <laughs> I, it, it is it's a fantastic service. Without it, I'd be dead. Simple as that. Um, I, I'd be just because I'd, something is good as a principle or an idea does not mean that it is being operated in a way that is as effective as it should be for what the aim of the entire point of it was yeah um communication has been bloody awful and i mean bad like really really bad to, uh like promising phone calls not getting them promising phone calls either way and then not getting the phone call either way like we'll call you up once we've got the results and if we don't have them by this time we'll call you and let you know we don't have them and then you don't get either calls or on either day. And then you call up and you're like, I didn't get a call. Um, and you speak to one person and they're like, oh, okay, well, that doesn't seem right. Oh, well, you weren't on the list to call. Well, why not? I mean, someone else hasn't done their job. And then you eventually speak to the doctor and the doctor's just embarrassed. And I think at this point, my, um, my consultant is simply embarrassed um, when she speaks to me. It's pretty, pretty sick of me, actually. Um, because I ask all the awkward questions. I ask, I, I push, I've 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 researched stuff. I've and I don't I don't I don't mean like the do your own research. I found this video on YouTube that tells you how to cure cancer by stuffing apricot seeds up your butt. No, I mean like <laughs> I have gone and looked at um what treatments are normally available, what other countries offer, um, what other types of cancer treatments um other cancers have. And whether they're applicable. So I come back and I ask, why, why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? Why can't we do this? Uh, and the answer is always the, it's too damaging for someone who can't be cured. Because I've got innumerable tumours in my lungs. You, you, can't, you can't do all of it. You can't get all of it. So it's the, well, I'm on the scrap pile then. You know, it's... Uh, just because you can't do the stuff in my lungs, you can ignore the stuff in my neck. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, not not super. <laughs> in general, not super. 
No, it, uh, from my own, and again, I don't mean to compare my experience to yours, but it's just how I'm trying to think about the communications. It's, it's, like, it's been very much all or nothing where, you know, I've had doctors say, I can give you treatment, but I can't tell you the cause because there could be too many causes and, you know, you'd have to go through things to find it out. And it's like, but I want to do the things. Like, it will increase my quality of life. You know, it quality is important. Mm. I think that's so one of the things that I find the, the most infuriating, um, is the idea that quite often treatments aren't uh, um, uh, weighed up against the quality that it could restore to someone's uh, life, whether that be a type of surgery, whether that be a treatment, whether or not that be uh, trying something different and actually taking the time to sit down and consider those options. Um, often it's a case of, is it a risk? Yeah, then. and they very much made the decision for me. Like they've said, it's too risky. Um, it's not growing fast enough. Like we're, we're at this point where this, this this thing on my neck, in particular, this is like a very recent thing. Um, like last couple of weeks, I'm dealing with. Um, we had we did a scan and it, like it grew one centimeter in a couple of months. That's pretty fast. Like that's fast. Um, like you know, your nails don't grow that quick. You know, it, it's that thing to remember is that your hair doesn't grow that quick. So when you've got something growing that much in a space that it shouldn't be, and they know what it is, it's a concern. And they were like, right, it's grown super fast. Let's go in there. Let's cut it out. Then they went, oh no, your vocal cords work. Now it's too risky. And it's because they thought that they'd be going in to kind of like an active war zone, but everything's already dead. So you're fine. You can go in and sort it out. Um, but it's not. It's the stuff in there that you want to protect still. And they've decided that that is more important because uh, it can because you've got to think about with your vocal cords they they you know they, they work as like a almost like a fan um where they come across and they meet each other in the middle um the concern is is that one won't then come all the way over it'll be stuck in the middle which would then half my airway so it'd be like breathing through one nostril um essentially even through the mouth um mm. or it would be way over and i wouldn't be able to talk and i just left have this raspy voice but the thing is, is that as far as I'm concerned, I've already been there. I've already been through that three years ago. I woke up from surgery and couldn't talk. I couldn't swallow. I had to be fed by tube. I was all of these things. And then I'm back here again being warned about them. And I'm like, yeah, but done it, bro. Yeah, done that. Like, yeah, it's like, yeah. I've done it. I'd... But no, I haven't. So... And if it's Just... your choice to do what you want with your body and bodily autonomy is so important, no matter who you are, it, I know it sounds like we're preaching to the choir here because we can't exactly tell mm. you and you're, you know what you're talking about here, but yeah. I, I don't, it, bodily autonomy is so important. If you are deciding that that's a risk you're willing to take, it should be your choice. Yeah. I'm sorry. It, it isn't. It, I'm sorry. It isn't. It should be to a certain extent, but there's also the fact that mm. I don't actually know best. Like I, 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 I don't, I don't know what surgical techniques there are. I don't know how how difficult it is to carry out surgery on a person. 
that makes it sound like I've carried out surgery on, on other things. No, I don't know what it's like to carry out surgery. I don't know. I, I assume it's very difficult. Um, I've got to assume it's difficult. Because, you know, it, people go to school for a long time for it and they train for a long time for it. Um, so I would assume they do know best. I, I, I have to work on that assumption, but I need to really understand why. I have yes. to understand why that's the case. And I and no one's been able to explain to me yet why there's this difference in risk between now and later. And I would very much assume that later is the case of, well, now it's too late. Yeah. Um, and now things are definitely going to be complicated. So, well, uh, I, I need that explained to me. So I can't balance those two things. And, and that's very much mentally where I am. And this tiny little two and a half centimeter thing in my neck is causing this huge mental pressure um, where it's just there and I can think about it all the time. It's like you swallow and you're like, oh, can I feel that? Can I feel that? Probably can't. Mm. Probably can't. But I think I can. It gets, it can get very psychosomatic, I, I think, where you start to worry about it more and then it, it feels real, but it might not be. Um, but you've made a really good point there. Um, I've been doing a lot of mental health training recently to, to try and learn more um, about all different kinds of things to do with mental health and helping somebody. Obviously, you've you've said that this is causing a hell of a lot of anxiety, which, I mean, yeah, I can imagine, and that's incredibly valid. Is there anything that you've been finding that's been helping you to sort of manage it or... You know, any and well, I know it sounds silly, but techniques, or has it just been that getting into something that you love has been helping, or how have you been managing? I I like to overutilize. That's my so what I do is if I'm stressed about something, I know that it will tick over in the background. Um if I'm not handling it consciously, I will stop trying to and I will move away from it and I'll do something else that typically manifests itself as playing a game, um, watching watching a movie at the same time, and then probably scrolling on TikTok also at the same time. Um, where, you know, I've I've replayed um Cyberpunk recently and oh, maybe it's a bad thing to be replaying them uh, because it's all about body modification and having bit and the main character is terminally ill. <laughs> so it's just like wow, what a choice of game. But anyway, enjoying the game. So I'm playing this game, watching a movie at the same time, phone in hand. I'm like, but that just totally locked in and that'll relax me. Um, uh, and then I'm a lot more chilled out after. Um, and often I'll be like, actually, no, you know what? I'm OK. I just need to wait for the next thing. It'll be fine. You know, I, I've got that. I work my way through that little bit of anxiety, that, that that stress ball, kind of dodge it for a minute and then be like, okay, cool, we can keep moving forward. So in terms of how um, this new development uh, and this new diagnosis has has been affecting you, like how, how has that been, like how have things been impacting your day-to-day -day life? aside from the mental health uh, so obviously the um the the misdiagnosis thing was quite a shock because you know someone tells you, you got months to live and it's like whoa 
picked, what do you do? I, I, you head down, swing for the fences. You know, you keep keep going, keep going, and then you live for years, and then someone turns around and says, "Well, actually, you never really had the threat of months," and you, you're just so so confused by that. It's the I should be happy, I I should be really chuffed that you know the type of cancer that I've got isn't as bad as it was, but you're still pretty bothered by it. Like you're still um then suddenly you think, well what what the hell was amateur hour where when they looked at my at my sample and you know it, like what what th- these these things aren't similar or as similar uh under a microscope as um as you might think, you know, that you look Googled lots of images when I found out to be like, could I spot the difference? Um answer is no i'm not qualified enough but i can see they're different you know i can i can see and i mean i can answer that one for you (laughs) (laughs) that's true yeah those those images that you tend to find online uh will be a perfect scenario so you get uh like having worked in a lab with cancer uh, um, uh, diagnoses and uh, such forth and uh, actually doing the slides that uh, are the used to to uh, 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 figure out what types uh, uh, they are is uh, it's really not as clear cut as you would hope because the thing is is that yeah okay you've got a sample right they then have to cut that sample into minute sections and then they need to make sure that they preserve enough of that but the right stuff but if they don't preserve it in the right way or some chemical is off or something is uh, uh, not quite uh, right that day or the machine wasn't right that day there are so many factors that the point where you get to actually looking at the slide it's a fucking miracle there's anything left at that point and then quite often especially when it comes to cancer those cells look fucked like those cells look so really trying to figure out is it this type or is it that type or is it which one does it most represent and it's not as clear cut as it could be and often it's dealt in percentages rather than like yes or no while this is not an excuse for misdiagnosis, this might help explain how it it isn't as when we when we send things for testing, we we expect it to be a case of a tick box of yes, they have this disease, yes, they have that disease, and it really isn't. It's it's not exact. It's and quite often a lot of cancer testing is also based on um like do we see a, an opinion that it's this cancer and then it's run past several people and we we it's it's really very <laughs> honestly on, on the on the uh, um being the patient side it sucks to be fair, being on the testing side, it also sucks. <laughs> but they are trying their best at, 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 to get you the most accurate 
thing that they can. But yeah, it's... <laughs> Everyone it's, hopes uh... for the perfect samples. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. Um, all I know is that um, I've also found out that my tissue sample has been withdrawn from the tissue bank and has been used for teaching and has been to a couple of universities, which is good. Like, I'm glad that that's happened. That, that's something that I found out throughout this, which I thought was quite cool, is that it has been to a couple of universities. It's been around. Um, people have looked at it. People have been, um, you know, given examples of this is what this looks like. This is really confusing. Um, what do you think this is? And all that kind of stuff. And then it's been checked back in again. It's like, oh, it's pretty interesting. And then it's been sent off back to the lab. And uh, I'm actually currently waiting on genetic testing to be done. Uh, to see if I have any targetable mutations. Um, unfortunately, I found out that immunotherapy I'm not suitable for. It's um, it's it's like literally a single protein on the uh, you know cell membrane that they look for. I don't have it. They're like, yeah, your score is less less than 0.5, which is really bad for that. I was like, okay, <laughs> makes sense. Um, but yeah, very. Very odd experience, I'd say it's been. Um, yeah, just dealing with it from a day-to-day -day basis is um, tough. So you spoke a lot um, earlier about um, like the physical impacts that you've been experiencing and how you've gone from feeling fine with terminal cancer to then going through surgery and having to come back from that and how how are you at this point with um, the fact that it's now affecting multiple areas i uh, there's there's a very i'm probably say um you know end of last year was was when i felt like i had cancer for the first time um, or I knew something was physically wrong. So rather than just being a bit tired, which previously I have been, you know, just a bit tired, um, stomach had been upset by the medication I was on, which was to be expected. Um, I mean, just being absorbed. That's that's the, that's the only positive is that you're getting the side effects is being absorbed. Um, the, the, the pain that hit and how fast it hit was a real shock, like a huge, huge shock um and now having to be on morphine every day in order to not be in pain um and especially your your dosage isn't always right for you what you're given out of the hospital so they give you a bag and they go take this much twice a day and you're like okay and you take that much twice a day and you're asleep most of the day all night you're like cool i'm getting loads of sleep but that's not living so you then have to learn to balance it out for yourself. Um, I I had a freak out moment and I went cold turkey for a bit on uh, morphine. And um, I am going to give a genuine piece of advice. Don't do that, anybody. <laughs> Don't think... go cold turkey on your morphine. I think that could be held for... Um... Uh, quite a few medications, uh, especially yeah. uh, in current company. 
don't go cold turkey on your medications it's not gonna affect you well no it's um there's a reason why they don't they, they don't call it immediately come off of it safely it's because that's another thing it's like they, they, cold turkey doesn't sound like a great thing um but yeah I, I did that i had a freak out and then i um i went back onto it um but a lower dose to see if i could handle it on a lower dose and handle the pain and yeah there was no still no pain so i halved the dose of morphine that i was on and that helped a lot so so is morphine good. is morphine the only thing that you've been put on or are they is it that case of like have they got you to the point where they're putting you on multiple medications to deal with various side effects um i'm i'm dealing with side effects of the treatment more than anything so um the morphine is just for the bone pain that's the, that's the only reason on that but then on top of that where i where i take this cabo's antidote stuff it gives me diarrhea like you would not believe um like awful um like have something to eat and 10 minutes later i've got to go to the toilet when it's bad so i'm now taking imodium three times a day every 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 day as as like a i need to have that as a preventative which normally you wouldn't want to do you'd be backed up for for days if you did that normally um i'm i'm lucky if it touches it um so i have to have that i also um take clonazepam which um is kind of like a it's from the same drug group as diazepam so it's for anxiety and for stress and that's just so i can sleep because if i close my eyes uh, at night without it it is like it's like the world's worst disco where the only th things that were invited was anxiety and stress uh and yeah, that's, that's a good can... way of describing it yeah and that's all you can hear is anxiety and stress with a disco beat to it, and it's like, no one's enjoying that so yeah it's uh that's pretty pretty rough that's um uh, as one to not have to be like it's great when you take it and i sit around for half an hour and now time to go to sleep and then i'm out and i'm out cold and it's fantastic um but it does only last eight hours and i wake up eight hours later and i'm like I'm sure I can hear a beat in the distance. <laughs> yeah, and that's how it begins, you know. It's uh um, it's the drum. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm also on um, I'm also on blood thinner as well. Um I used to have to do injections every day, which uh sucked, but now I've got tablets, which is great. I've got tablets for it. So um that has improved my my mood in immensely. Um Oh, I can imagine. Nice. What's easier, yeah. swallowing a tablet or stabbing yourself uh, uh, every day for? Well, I've I lost a lot of weight, so that's something that I I I lost a lot of weight um, from starting it to where I am now. Um, I was at about a hundred kilos where when I started it, and that was um, after chemotherapy. I started it, um, and then I'm now down to about seventy. So you think about it, you lose almost a third of your body weight um, when you weren't particularly overweight to start off with. It's um, I, I've lost kind of like all my muscle mass. I've got bones that stick out that I didn't realize I had. And it's kind of a, 
yeah, not that's not been super, and that's because of all the weight loss and because of the, all the diarrhea and the nausea and all of that. So that's been pretty rough. And then the other medication I have to take is lansoprazole, which is to protect my stomach from all of the drugs that I have to take. Um, which, yeah, I mean that that's a nothing. That's just a to, to me of all the things I have to take, that is really not anything to worry about. Um, sorry, I'm I'm going to be slow in trying to process my thoughts, um, because going cold turkey on your drugs is a terrible idea. Um, yeah, who would ever do that, Drac? Yeah, you're not supposed to do it. No, honestly. We so just did you not hear what I just that. said? Are you even listening? <laughs> Someone to should have told me a week ago, <laughs> goddammit. Oh... <laughs> <laughs> Um, last time yeah. that we talked, you mentioned that one of the ways that you um, helped keep your mental health up and your strength in general and uh, your fitness was because you were quite uh, um, focused on on exercise and, and maintaining that. I'm assuming that now you've gone the opposite way in the fact that you can't yeah i can't um i want to i um was a key martial artist for from the age of seven um karate kickboxing kung fu jiu-jitsu did all um did it professionally for a year um you know i was really 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 into it and even when i first found out i had cancer i was going thai boxing lessons still once my um once my neck had healed um I carried on and I carried on Thai boxing and um, totally fine, you know, uh, kicking heads and it was great, you know, really good fun. And um, now I can't, um, I, I, I move in the wrong way and because of where the, um, where the cancer is in my spine, I have to be really careful the way I sit, just how I sit. You know, it's, uh, if I bend too far back, then it pinches. If I bend too far forward, then it pinches, um, or or it grinds. Um, I, I'm lucky in the fact that I haven't really felt it in my neck or anything like that because I've got it in um, in three vertebrae, and it's my C1, T1, and um, L6. Um, where so the different spots and i can feel them on different spots and it's like a i'll get a pain and i'm like oh that's this one that's this one that's this one the only one that's not giving me any grief is the um is c1 which is the one which is literally just below your um your skull so if that starts giving me trouble then i'm i'm in trouble <laughs> um but yeah the, the, the fitness side of things is just gone still walk you know, still walk around the shops and stuff every day you know pop out up and down the stairs that's fine um, the having the radiotherapy to my lung really, really knocked me backwards because it was I couldn't breathe. I say I'd come in a bit, and that that was me trying to trying to breathe. Or I'd ha I'd have a shower, and after a shower, I'd have to sit down, cough and cough and cough and cough, um, and knowing that there's nothing to come out um, was pretty unpleasant you know it's just coughing and coughing and knowing that this is supposed to be helping you is a difficult thing um but no I, i'm desperate to um 
I'm wearing a Cobra Kai t-shirt, right? And I love Cobra Kai, the TV, the TV show, one of my favorite TV shows. And I wish I could go back and do karate. I can't be hit because the areas um, where I have cancer in my bones are basically like glass. Um, they will break if struck. It's, uh, it's an impossible thing for me to be able to go back and do now. Which sucks. How are you dealing with that? How are you? Because, I mean, you're a ve like, you, you always come across uh, in every conversation that we, uh, we've had on the, the podcast and the, the uh, um, uh, other streams um, as, as a very optimistic and very positive person. But that has got to hit hard. So how are you coping with it? Um... And this isn't like a, how are you managing it? It's a, are you doing okay? Um, I miss it more than anything. And I have to be very, very kind of honest. Like, it was my life. At one point, I used to get up at 10 o'clock in the morning, go training um, for two, three hours, have some lunch, start teaching martial arts at five in the evening, not finish till 10. And that was my, that was my life. And, you know, I, I moved away from that and that was hard enough moving away from it. Um, you know, kind of the, the, the moving away from it and doing a normal, normal job, normal job. Um, and that was hard enough, but I could, you know, I still did training as much training as I could fit in around my job is what I did. So it was always there. It was always an option. And it was always, uh, I was always unhappy with my body as, as a kid. Um, arms and legs too long. Chest is a weird shape. Um, a little bit chubby, never ever happy. Um, as an adult, I got to the point where I got to where I was happy, and then cancer hit me. And for a while, I was like, "Well, you know what? There's no reason I can't be, can't still be buff and have cancer. I, there's no reason for that." And now I'm like, "Yeah, there is a pretty good fucking reason." Um, and the reason being is that um, I sweep my flat. And I feel sick. I get tired when I walk around the shops and come back. Not to mention, I know that I my personality has changed through it as well. My, I'm not definitely not who I used to be, and, and I say that in a. I'm not as driven because I'm like, well, there's not. I don't have the reason to be driven because there isn't necessarily a future. Um, but at the same time, you don't lose hope. Uh, because if you're still breathing, you're still living. And you have to keep going. You have to carry on. And you can't... You, you can... If you give up, then it's done. And so I do. I, I borrow I borrow the philosophies from my martial arts. And it's the... A fight's only over when you give up. You know, it's... Uh, if you stop fighting, then the fight's over. But as long as you keep... Put your hands up, chin down, move forward. It carries on, uh, and for me, that's that's what that's how I look at it. You know, I my fight's different now. You know, it was with gloves in a ring. It's now every every day, getting up, having breakfast, eating enough, getting enough calories in. That's a real for me. That's my the basis of my day is: have I eaten enough? Have I put enough in? Um, 
that's my real real kind of focus um so sorry go on go on so i was gonna say it's more it's more living for the moment than necessarily making huge plans for the future yeah it, it's i it's something i need to move away from as well I, I need to move away from this doing little stints because well you know i used to set myself um when it was the you've got months to live i set myself this right my birthday right christmas right our wedding anniversary you know all these different dates you'd pick you'd be like this is my next next step and i'll get through that i'll drag myself through this shit time to that the next good thing the next good thing and it was kind of like a, in between that though i've got this scan once we're past that scan no worries we're clear sailing until this next event and unfortunately you get to this point where the next event that's like a scan result or an appointment they come faster and faster and in between and you are literally just living between to get to the next one and this this is a mistake that i've made um where i've let anxiety kind of paralyze me in life by not taking a holiday when i can or not booking something or um not not seeing people when i was able to or not having a good day and doing something with it whether it be turning on a stream and um you know sit there play a game talk to some friends it you know you waste those things you, you kind of let them get away from you and it's like oh idiot like of all the things to to let slip away time is time is not it yeah, so when you feel good, you've got to use the time, and that's and that's. I've realised that, and this is a this is again this is like a revelation um, over the last couple of weeks, really, um, because my wife and I want to go on holiday. We are desperate to go on holiday, but we were waiting for the surgery, and they cancelled it, and now we're it's all up in the air. And then it's the do you wait for the next thing? There might not be a next thing, so I might just be waiting for nothing. And then what I do is I miss the time. Yeah. so it's a uh, yeah it's um it's 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 complicated there's no simple simple way of moving forwards when you're dealing with something like this and everyone uh, and the reason why i don't particularly give advice about how to handle the situation i may talk about how i handle it and if people can use that or people can borrow from it fantastic um because Everyone's Only you're an expert gonna be in having going in, through. Yeah, everyone's going to have an individual experience, especially with with something as complex as as cancer. Yeah. Um. But I, I mean, if there's anything that I can uh, say from uh, um, time that uh, we've uh, uh, spent uh, having you on is uh, that uh, you are very much a uh, inspiration to. Uh, everyone who gets to listen to you talk because despite that it may be a very difficult subject and it's a very taboo subject um you you speak about it in such an open and honest way and you don't sugarcoat it and you don't uh, uh hide it uh, anything from it and you you just present it as this is what's happening and this is how it's happening and this is how i am experiencing it and i think that's amazing honestly thank you for saying that 
like it's good it's good to hear i'm doing the right thing <laughs> I, I think that you are <laughs> I, I sit i sit down i talk and i it's it's essentially therapy for me so <laughs> if people are benefiting from me doing something for myself then brilliant you know it's uh i'm at this point where loads of people seem to um seem to know who i am and i turn up in thyroid cancer groups on facebook and i ask questions and i go oh i've seen you on youtube i'm like shit uh, okay well guess i'll put my head down and uh you know offer advice where i can but not everyone has that sorry go on right i've known you since before you were ever diagnosed actually no no you haven't no 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 because it's i've known of you since before you were diagnosed (laughs) we may not have spoken at that point but um, well, people forget I was about in the industry a long time before they ever heard my name. But I heard yours. I heard everyone's names in good ways. But I was just going to say, from the time that we have met and talked together, I don't think you've changed in any of the ways that matter. I think you're still kind, genuine, funny, and caring. I don't think any of that has changed. At least not from any of the times we've talked or the way that your friends talk about you. And they're all here, so that's good. It's like, yeah, I can see some of them, some of them in chat talking about me, and I'm like, God damn it! Stop saying nice stuff. arrived. We don't do that here. See, like, oh. no, that shows no, toxic vibes only. That yeah. shows exactly the impact that a person has um, of of the people around them is that people will not spend their time uh um putting in the effort to compliment you in as as extensive ways if they're just trying to placate like it's a oh yeah you're nice is usually a platitude but people speak very highly of you and i i think that in itself shows very much that what you what you do and what you uh say um on shows like this and um in your own space is definitely having a good impact right is there... i have a question okay ah where are you and your missus gonna go joe <laughs> I'm somewhere very sunny, mm-hmm. somewhere very hot, yep. somewhere where I don't have to uh, worry about anything. Like, it's that kind of place. Like, ideally, we're talking all inclusive tropical resort um, yeah. uh, where. You spend too much money um, on getting there, and then you're there, and then you don't have to put your hand in your pocket, and it's delightful. That that's basically like I feel like I've I've earned it. In saying Brighton, done. No, no, I, yeah, just it's the Croydon. There wasn't for Croydon, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no one wants to go to Croydon. Let's be fair. No, I even when I lived in London, I didn't want to go to Croydon. I... No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no you can get out of Croydon quickly and go somewhere better. Done. There you are. Then you get to have escaped from Croydon. Um, it's an adventure. Escape from Croydon. We have um, <laughs> another 15 minutes before I will tackle uh, audience questions. But 
Um, is there anything particular that you wanted to go over uh, before I harangue you with the multitude of questions? Um, I I'd kind of kind of, kind of like a, I guess. I say that I don't give advice, but I I have, I have certain things that I I say and I do, and there are certain things that get me up um, in the morning. It, well, it's my cat; he gets me up. Um, Alfred, he's 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 a wonderful, sweet, sweet cat, sweet black fluffy cat, um, and it's very much like a life enhancing thing of having a pet, and it's something that I would recommend if you're able to. And you're having a tough time get a pet um and you know as as cat owners yourselves well cat staff because we are the <laughs> staff um we 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 know that they're they're lovely to have around and um i will say that that was something that really really helped me is i was really really down um after um i had to have my cat clive put put to sleep uh because it's heart condition and devastated destroyed and i didn't realize how much i'd been relying on having an animal a fluffy animal a cute pet to get me up and get me out of bed um to feed them and now i've got a cat who doesn't want me to feed them they want my wife to feed them and she does and he just wakes me up at half past nine every morning Oh, and four o'clock in the morning because he wants certain things. And it's actually nice to have a bit of routine that isn't around cancer. So that's been really, really nice because um, I, I like my routine. Um, I, I like having, I like knowing what happens next and what's going on. And knowing that your cat's going to wake you up at four o'clock in the morning when you check the time at half past two, that's sometimes enough of a, a bit of a routine for you to be like, okay, cool. Well, we know that'll happen. Which is a, a weird thing to say. But yeah, pets are good. Everyone should have a pet. <laughs> I, I, I concur very much so. I think the one thing that uh, helped me get out of uh, my major depress uh, depressive uh, um, point was finally getting a cat and realizing that even even if it is a bad day, you can guarantee those cute little bastards are going to make it better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had a pretty bad day yesterday. I don't know what triggered it. Like the morning was fine, the day was fine. Then I was get as I was getting to the end of the work day, it was just like my mood just went pew and hit the ground, and then I just I, nothing was going on in my brain. I was just sad. So I went and sat downstairs, and I just sort of chilled for a bit, and just sort of disassociated, disassociated for a while, and just. Then I looked over at the spare sofa we've got, the, the two-seater, and my cat was just on it, like, completely upside down, her chin pointed up and her arms like at skewed angles, and I just burst out laughing, and I had no idea why. But it was like, oh, that's that's good, I needed that. That's just a just tiny moment of, all right, get up, you sad bitch, you can do something, come on. Like, this cat is being hilarious, you can get off the sofa, come on. <laughs> so, cats are, cats are good, pets are good. Yeah, animals are therapy. Mm, very much. I think that very much is the case of, of for anyone, is no matter the situation, no matter the illness, the uh, um, 
point in your life that is is getting you down try to introduce something that depends on you that's living whether that be a pet or a a plant or my current one is is a vegetable garden these things give you the routine but also give you a motivation for to show something coming of your actions it gives you a purpose that actually shows some kind of end result and i think that can help in any situation when it especially when it comes to mental health right I've got a heck ton of questions, um, both submitted to the form and currently in uh, uh, the channel points, so we should probably get started with them, um, otherwise we're going to run out of, of time. Uh, so, first question, um, has chemotherapy had any side effects other than the nausea and epididymis, <laughs> I can't, can't say that word, infection? Oh, is that supposed to be epidermis? Skin infection, I'm Yes, guessing. yes, right. okay. It's not spelt as epidermis, but infection you already mentioned. If it's if it's epididymis, that's somewhere it's a very different part of the body. Um, but yeah. no, I, and I certainly don't have an infection there. Um, okay, so the the, um, the, the chemotherapy, um, when I went through chemo, I mean, that was like, well, three years ago. Um, it has left me with a couple of things um, where I have tinnitus now. I didn't beforehand, and I did after. And there's actually a theory behind the, what causes it, because chemotherapy is, as a treatment, it being fully systemic, it gets, it hits everything. You know, it's, it's burning the garden to get the weeds. You know, it's, uh, you go in, set fire to everything, and hope the weeds don't grow back. That, that's chemotherapy. Um, where you lose all your hair, um it was uh it, you've got hair inside your ear inside your ears that can obviously affect your balance and your hearing and that's the suspicion is that you have lost they, those hairs fall out and cause your problems and that's what causes the um your, your issues with uh tinnitus so there's that so i've got tinnitus that's lasting and you might notice I have a white beard, and my hair is a bit two-toned. Those those that can see, obviously, if you're not got the video up, you won't know. <laughs> but my hair has been turned white by my current treatment, the cabozantinib. One of the side effects is is that it can thin hair or turn your hair white. And after two months, I of being on it, I shaved my beard. And then it just grew back white. And I had this previously before this wonderful thick ginger, ginger beard, a little, you know, a little flecks of grey because I'm no spring chicken. And now it's white. And my hair, my head hair is all growing through white. And my eyelashes uh grew through white for a while. But now, it which is really weird is that it started to grow back normally in places. So my eyelashes have started to grow back a more normal colour. And my beard, particularly around under my chin, has started to grow back darker. 
which is a surprise. No, no one expects that. It's like a oh, that's an interesting thing. But yeah, that's been the the, the strangest thing. But the the skin stuff, um, like it's losing sheets of skin off the bottom of your feet. It's like having a huge blister. Your feet get really sore, like you've walked a thousand miles, and then you have a shower, and then you you look at your foot, and it's like ah, and you can see it all bubble off. Basically, you're like, here we go, and then you remove it, and then it's sore for a couple of days, and then it immediately hardens up, and then you wait four weeks, and it happens again. It's just the way it is. It's for an everyday treatment. It's strange that it goes in cycles. Okay. Uh, next question. Please expand on the financial and unemployment struggles that prevent you uploading cancer videos more often. Um, that's a weird question because I'd probably say that money doesn't affect me uploading more often. Um, because it's not, it doesn't. Um, I'm I'm lucky enough to have when I took out my mortgage, I took out critical illness insurance. Um, so I don't have to worry about paying my mortgage. It's all paid off and stuff. Um, and I survive on, um, the personal independent payment that comes in from, um, the government because someone who is, uh, terminally ill, it's, something, it's a benefit you're entitled to. And that, and that really helped me get to like hospital appointments and stuff. Cause I have to go to London every couple of weeks and it's 30 pounds on the train. Um, and when I had, when I had, when I had radiotherapy. I was there five days in a row, back and forth. Um, and you know, it's 150 quid gone. Mm. And you're like, that could be di- that could be dinners. Okay, so, um, but the reason, one of the re- the real reason why I don't upload my vlogs very often is because of the mental side of it. It's got, I say, it's nothing to do with the uh, socioeconomic climate. It is down to the how I feel, um, whether or not I want to turn myself inside out, pour my feelings out on the internet because sometimes you don't want to um like for example today is obviously a good day and i'm, I'm fine doing it because i'm giving you some really good in-depth answers but me on a bad day would be very different so it's um it's very much that like a you've got to have your energy line up with your drive and you can be as driven as you wanted to but if you've got no energy you ain't doing it and you can have as much energy as you want but if you don't want to do, if you don't want to do it you're not going to Yep, that pretty much. I think that that's even without uh, um, an illness. Like that is that should be uh, um, the thought process of uh, uh, most content creators. Is sometimes you don't need to pour yourself out for for content. Like it's it is not. A requirement <laughs> to mm. to be constantly yeah. putting that out there um okay um if we all had a floating sign above our heads for everyone to see what would yours say on it wow <laughs> on sims we've got full sims <laughs> yeah <laughs> but no the toilet symbol <laughs> that's it it'd be that it'd, it'd have to be that wouldn't it it's uh with with, with the one i've spent far too much time in my bathroom um over the last few months um but yeah it would probably be yeah the, the toilet symbol 
sorted. Done. Yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Poop emoji. <laughs> okay. Upon learning you were terminally ill, did it bother you that medical professionals were using the vague word incurable to make you feel better instead of using a clear word like terminal? Did this give you unrealistic hope and add to a sense of denial? Um, no, I, I've definitely not been in denial of my my situation. Uh, I I, under, I understand it too well to be able to deny it. And they, they do use the word incurable. And the reason why they're using the word incurable is because it might not be the thing that kills you. Like it, it's not a definite. It's not like when you go in the office and um, they sit down and be like, okay, you're dying. And you're like, oh God, how long have I got? And um, they go five and you go like five, what? Four, three, but they're not, they don't do that. So it, I get hit by a bus, in which case my cancer wasn't terminal but it definitely wasn't cured. So I think this is one of the, it's a very funny, I think they use it as a softer word, um, but it is very important that you, you understand that it could mean that your cancer ne isn't necessarily that aggressive, but it can be managed as a long-term chronic condition. And typically with thyroid cancer, that is the case. Even if it's spread, there's a lot of people who only have to, um, you know that they take the drugs I take, and it just works, and it holds it it holds it stable permanently, and they're old, and then they grow and brilliant, and that's how it works. Um, but then you usually get others who it does carry on and, and keep going, and gradually gets worse. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm I'm okay with the the term incurable. Terminal seems a bit like. You say it and people then start asking you how long have you got um uh, and the answer is i don't know right no one knows um i have defied the odds already so i don't know they don't know doctors don't know and it's not a statistical trend that you can measure for how long people have it, it really doesn't work that way especially with uh, medicine advancing as quickly as it does and has and it's is that for example, anaplastic thyroid cancer used to have a life expectancy of months. They have now come up with ways to actually completely get rid of it from people, as long as they have the correct genetic markers. So they can actually just cure it. And that was incurable. You know, that was terminal um, only a couple of years ago. So it's a big difference. So I think using the incurable word is fine. Um, I understand its implications. And I think as long as you can get your head around those implications then it's all right using the word terminal is a big scary word and you know we've still got doctors saying that thyroid cancer is the good kind despite the fact that it is in can be incurable it's um also the same uh response that they give towards uh prostate can cancer it's prostate cancer is is the one that you won't die of it you'll die with it because it won't be the cancer that kills you, in theory. Um, it'll be the uh, uh, um, uh, something else along the line because you can live with it for so long that likelihood is something else will uh, beat it to the punch. You've said previously that one good thing about having cancer is nobody gets angry at you when you're unreasonably irritable. 
do you think cancer has made you more prone to nitpicking and losing your temper over little things? Oh, I feel like this is some really specific questioning where people have picked up on... Is this, do we know if it's one person who's asked these questions? Uh, each of these was submitted individually. Okay, it's weird. Wow. Maybe I do nitpick. Um, <laughs> I am quite nitpicky anyway. Like, that's fair. I do. I, I try really hard not to be. Um, my wife would probably say that I am quite nitpicky and I like things just so. Um, but I've definitely not said that. That's a, that's a misquote there. Because you can you can be an arsehole and you can have cancer. The things aren't related. So you can you can be a mean, horrible arsehole and then be like, "Oi, you shouldn't be doing that. You're being an arsehole." So yeah, I and mean, that's fair. Um, but um, I wouldn't say I've used it as an excuse, and I would expect people to get annoyed with me if I was being an asshole. So it's definitely a weird question. I mean, when you're in pain or you're sick, however, like sick you are. You probably will get tired and become grumpy or angry at some points, and that's completely valid. But yeah, I don't think anyone who's sick would want that to be used as an excuse for them getting away with being a dick. <laughs> you don't want a you don't want a jail free card for for being nasty to somebody because you're sick. That's no. I mean, I, I know I know there are certain things that on my vlog there are certain comments that I I respond to um, with further let's use that as a word rather than aggression or anger um and I, i'm i'm a passionate anti-theist right i'm totally like a i it drives me insane where people say people say oh you need to find jesus or you need to find god um and i'm just like no stop it like yeah i feel like you're trying to convert me you're forcing something upon me that i don't want and that's that's any time that i probably say i get a bit dirty um with people because it's it really is i i I just find the idea that um that you know people might not think you're strong enough to get through something on your own i find that offensive um it's the if i need any friend if i need any help i'll go to my friends and my family um and yeah i've i've learned you've got a hell of a lot in the basement you know, sometimes you can keep digging and there's sometimes there's multiple basements apparently that you need strength you can find it in so yeah you know i didn't think i didn't think i was off on that shirt hmm. <laughs> i mean i find it hard to believe but also even if you do get like that yeah everyone does at some point in yeah. like human how how many times have, have, have any of you woken up and felt like you just haven't had enough sleep and you've told the cat to shove off or you've, you've, I don't know, someone cut you up in queuing for the bus or, and you, yeah, yeah of course, you, you're human. You're going yeah. to get pissy and now and again. It's sometimes, normal. Sometimes. <laughs> You can just be in a bad mood and it's got nothing to do with cancer. Right. Um, or sometimes you're in a bad mood and it is because of cancer. And you go, actually, you know what? I'm having a really rough time because of this. And I'm pretty open and honest. And what I normally do is if I am having a rough time, 
is I lock myself away so I don't I don't uh, say things I shouldn't say or do things I shouldn't do um, because it's really easy for you to lose your temper and if you I know you're holding onto a bowl you're cooking your dinner you burn yourself get really mad get really annoyed but am I going to throw my food across the room no because then you're still hungry and there's a mess to clear up and it didn't change a thing so stop walk away i mean it's all about how you deal with your anger um mm. and frustrations rather than what causes them or if you're if you're owed some kind of uh 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 come up you know like uh, um uh, get out of jail free card for uh for uh um for it it's just you know you're human it's a reaction it's normal yeah. uh how you choose to respond is eh, sometimes you're going to make mistakes and sometimes you're going to realize that you're being a douchebag because you're in a bad mood because you only slept two hours last night it's fine <laughs> i do wonder if this kind of question comes from and we see this a lot with different kinds of marginalizations where people are often infantilized or like almost somebody who's sick can often be treated as though they're holier thou or like other people will expect them to act holier thou because they're sick and they must be so weak and thankful for all, all the things it's like no they're still a person and like that person hasn't changed but i don't know so maybe just by you still being the person you are they're like mm, well you're mm. sick you must you you should be just crying on the floor and saying platitudes and, and like begging for help and maybe they just don't know what to do with somebody who is refusing to I mean just I, I on my vlog I have been accused of being arrogant um I've got to make it really 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 super clear that is not a unique thing post-cancer pre-cancer it was worse like much much worse I was awful um I, I I was definitely a lot a lot worse before I had um before I had cancer I was um I look at myself and I was like I was I was awful. I was um I did very well in a job um when I was in my early twenties and I got promoted into my first management position before I was psychologically ready. Done all the training, you know, all of the um processes. Problem was that I'd had no people management skills. And because of that, I um I looked to the person that I had learned all of my management skills from, who was the Hitler type manager. Um, which was, you know, storm in, do this, do that, do that, get it done now, bam, and you move on. And you didn't care about the what people are going through or why mm. they've done. There was no question of why. It was always about the what. And I've definitely changed and matured over the years, which you bloody hope so, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, uh, like I say, me being called arrogant is I don't reject that as an initial analysis, but a lot of people, they will judge vlogs. They'll judge your entire life or personality based on a 10 minute video that you've put that you put out once a month, uh, which is a, it's a weird thing to do. Um, yeah. Some people will see confidence and call it arrogance. Yeah. Self-assured, self especially when it doesn't concern them, because from the blogs of yours that I've seen, it's 
self-reflective and explanatory less than trying to trying all well, trying to offer out advice or, or say that you're the king of the world like that's that's not what goes on in your vlogs so i wonder if it's a them problem not a you problem ah <laughs> uh, see i think i think that would be arrogant if i were to assume it's their problem perhaps perhaps how about it's in but, everyone's problem yeah. Yeah, there is we it, go yeah you're just it's being everyone's problem plater <laughs> yeah I, I, it's probably i'm secretly a little bit of everyone's problem <laughs> Whether you've met me or not, I'm probably a little bit of your problem. The most chaotic man. <laughs> right. Maybe anyway. Maybe cat writing those comments. Hmm. Okay. Um, do you have a motto or mantra that you live by? Uh, do what must be done. That That is my... That has been my phrase that I have used over and over again when it comes to cancer and treatment surgery um do what must be done um because if it must be done do it and if it mustn't don't it's really is as simple as that um if you want a result then you have to do a certain thing then do it and it must be done uh, and that's that's my 100 percent my motto I'm sharing my complete lack of knowledge with karate here, but I ask that you bear with me. Could you take your knowledge of karate and use it for some form of Tai Chi? Um, yes, from a coordination point of view and from the limited number of movements there exists from the human form. But no, because what I really miss is hitting people. <laughs> um, like, I, like I say, I used to... Um, I, I I used to compete internationally in kickboxing. I used to absolutely have it. Um, you know, my, my nose is crooked because I've had it broken three times. Um, I like a good I like I like a good a good scrap when it's controlled and in a sporting environment. Mm. I I don't fight on the streets and never have um, because that's that's a stupid thing to do. Um, but it's. Uh, Karate is, and the way I used to train in karate was very much um, with contact. And Tai Chi is either taught as old people in the park, um, slowly stepping and pushing, which is one thing, or it is taught as a uh, a form of combat, which again I wouldn't be able to do. So I don't have any interest in the stuff. Uh, it you know, um, the pushing things in the park. You know, it's just very good, very gentle exercise for sure. Um, and deep down it is based on a form of martial art that's designed for combat but it is not for me I can't do the thing in it that I would want to do I feel this probably answers the next one then as well um, could you do martial arts judging? Um, I could but I would just be I, I would be it's like being on a diet and taking someone to an all you can eat restaurant and then sitting there and not eating It'd be like you'd be nitpicking and uh, um, angry at everything. Um, <laughs> and then your cat would be there. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I did I did used to do judging as part of the um, part of the competing um, as as one of like one of the black belts. You'd turn up and you'd have your shirt, your pair of trousers, and a smart pair of shoes with you always. <laughs> so you would turn up at a tournament, and they'd be like, "Right, so who's judging then?" And they'd point at you, be like, oh, "Okay." 
right so you then you go and get go and get changed and then you do all of the do all of the judging and stuff and um tell people off for hitting each other too hard that's a thing um you know you need to tell kids off for being scrappy and grabbing hold and you do all of that and then you uh go and you do your own bit after um and not being able to do the own bit after would be just crushing it's mm -hmm. that kind of soul destroying wish that i could do it thing but i can't have you picked up any new hobbies in the meantime or anything that you've grown like more of an affinity for mm. yeah um i've got really into building gundam models um gunpla is the correct term um but yeah it's like these kits <laughs> these robot kits based on the cartoon series from japan and um i have a collection now um which kind of happened during the first covid lockdown um i was like mm, what can i do i had a quick google find out that actually they're not as expensive as i thought they were and ordered some and then started doing it and really enjoyed it and everyone every, every single one of them slightly different and it gives you that sense of achievement when you finished it as well so it's uh a good little chill out thing because i used to i used to do um painting I used to play warhammer and yeah, I used to paint models I broke my hand, unfortunately, when I was a teenager, and it left me unable to paint properly. So to be able to do something where it's creative, building these kits, and then you apply all the stickers and stuff, and you do panel lining on them with a marker, that's great for me. Really enjoy it. Very, very chilled and uh, very, very nice to do. Great. Um, I do apologize if this is too insensitive. Is there a milestone date that you feel that you had to reach no matter what? Um, no. No. Um, I would consider each day to be as equally as important as the next. Um, you know, I, I've not... I did have... Like, when it first happened, when I was first diagnosed, it was, make it to Christmas. Um... And I was going through chemotherapy like over the holiday period and I made it to Christmas. It was like, yes. And I was like, right, now time for the next one. And so I did those little goals and little things. But now I've I've stopped looking at looking at it that way. Um I, I don't think about it as having a a particular date because you don't in everyday life, you don't even if you're well and you're you're hundred percent healthy, you don't have like a well, I want to live till I'm 121 years old and 13 days. Like you, you don't, you don't pick certain dates. Or you're, you know, I want to live until I've until I've been married for 20 years, and then after that, doesn't matter if I die. You don't think about, you don't, you just don't think that way. And I, I, I didn't think about stuff like that before, and I certainly don't now. So it was a helpful tool for a time, and now mm. it's become just a bit more. Yeah, and this comes down to the the terminal versus incurable thing. Um, terminal feels like every moment is like a you've got a you've got to set those those marks, but then incurable, it feels a little bit more wishy washy, where you don't have to set them and you can just try and carry on living. That's the idea. Um, the life expectancy for anaplastic cancer is four to six months. How does it feel to outlive the estimate by over two years? And what do you, the doctors think now? Uh, well, as as we mentioned earlier, I was misdiagnosed. So that's what they think now. 
um, is that it's it's a different type of cancer. Um, I don't have any of the genetic markers that are common with anaplastic. That's kind of one of those things that reinforces the fact that I don't have it. Is that uh, I don't show any of the um, the mutations that are common and targetable, uh, combined with the having another look at the pathology and being like, actually, the cells aren't anaplastic yet. Um, that's looking back at it and looking at the progression of the disease being so slow. Um, that that's kind of yeah, that's where we are. That's what we think. And uh, our last question, um, unless someone's going to submit anything else, um, anything new related to the British Thyroid Foundation lately? Um, not much to talk about there. Um, anyone that doesn't know, um is that I um, I raised quite a lot of money for them, um, charity, you know, did the 24-hour live streams, extremely late dangerous. Um, did three of them, raised over 20,000, and managed to um, raise enough money for them to be able to take that, because it, it was above their usual funding. Um, to take, they took all of that money, and they put it towards doing this, um, this award that was named after me and was given to a, a research university um, who have been working on attempting to make my type of thyroid cancer uh, respond to curative treatment rather than palliative, which is like it's a pretty awesome thing. But that, that's the that's all there really is there with um, uh, the news around the British Thyroid Foundation. I'd love to do some charity work again at some point. Um, definitely couldn't do a 24 hour stream. That's for sure. Um, at risk of blood clots should not spend 24 hours in a seat, um, for certain. And you shouldn't spend 24 hours in a seat, even if you're not at risk, everybody out there. Yes. Very important. Um, Please louder for those in the back. <laughs> if you, unless you want to give yourself injections every day, um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I would love to do it, but I think I'd have to. Um, that comes down to the picking your energy. You know, what do you use your energy on? And it being very, very difficult for me to plan because I don't know how I feel from day to day. And if you want to do something successful for charity, um, a lot of planning goes into it, as you both know. Uh, yeah. You know, if you've got to get everyone in the right place, right time, time slots, um, and you need to be on your game. And from day to day, I have no clue. I have no clue what what I'll be feeling. Um, like today, I'm surprised I'm feeling so good because I felt good yesterday. Um, tomorrow, I probably won't. I don't know. I might do. Probably not. I both like love and uh, hate those days where it's like, I feel good. What's wrong? What? What? When, yeah. when, when's it going to stop? <laughs> yeah, it's, for me, it's the, I can only assume that once I've had dinner, this is going to take a dramatic turn. I time to redecorate the bathroom after dinner excellent mm, it's refreshing yeah. that we're talking about the other kind of uh, uh toilet habits than uh, we usually do it's uh <laughs> you say it's refreshing <laughs> somehow i've ended up on the bathroom side of tiktok and they keep showing me like bathroom redecoration videos and i've got no idea why i don't know how i've gotten there apparently they think you spend a lot of time in uh, the bathroom uh <laughs> Well, I mean, unless they've got a location on for my bathroom, then I... Very specific set of locations. Very specific. 
Because at this moment, we realised the tracking on the app was too good. Yeah, it's like, honestly, <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's like, oh, these are your hallway videos now. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Right. Well, that was our last question. Um, so here's an opportunity to um, say any last, any last things that you wish to to divulge or or any less words of wisdom or things that you'd like to leave us with um if you find a lump or a bump get it checked if it doesn't belong there then you need to know what it is this is I, and i'm going to say this again check your lumps and your bumps if it doesn't belong there make sure you find out what it is and also, this is very important in this day and age, especially in the UK, doctors dodge you. Do not, do not let them get away with it. Push to be seen, get seen. And if you have any concerns, speak to the right people. It is important. Very important. There's been far too many stories recently of people who have left it too late or been put off by doctors and they have found themselves in a much worse situation than they should have been. Um, in the UK, we're entitled to medical treatment and you're entitled to as much time as, as the next person. Um, don't let the uh, receptionist be mafia and stop you. Um, very important. Don't just give up with uh, taking some paracetamol, hoping for the best. Lumps and bumps, take them seriously. That's it. I think I think um, Pan is is talking. Um, That's a good point. But but we can't we can't hear. <laughs> it, it looks really dynamic and interesting, but I'm just not entirely sure. <laughs> I think I muted it because I was uh, slapping a fool on the internet, and then uh, there we are. Um, no, uh, remember if you do get any letters from the doctors, read the back of them. There's usually a tiny little section at the bottom that says you are uh, you are allowed to get treatment and you are able to demand treatment within X amount of weeks or months, which is very important because then you can keep a track of it and tell them they need to see you. And yes, receptionists, don't let them put you off. They 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 very much act like bulldogs for, for GPs sometimes. So if you have to, look up the words you need to say to get the bulldogs out of the way and then speak to the doctor. <laughs> And I don't know. Apparently today I'm feeling like uh, nice towards uh, um, uh, medical professionals. Uh, I don't know why. Um, I think. It, it, well, I, I, I I'm off my uh, meds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but they are trying to help people, but they just don't have the funding or the uh, time um, or the staff to do so but that doesn't mean that you're any less deserving um and you should always always uh push but try to be respectful um okay well thank you both for for being here uh thank you pan for uh, uh co-hosting as per always and Plato, thank you so much for coming and talking to us. I hope, I hope this was pleasant. It's always fun. <laughs> so thank you for having me. 
really know what to say. It's like, I, I, I enjoyed talking to you, but at the same time... <laughs> we're it's a shame to... you have to, isn't it? We're, yeah. yeah, we're talking about delicate things. We're, we're obviously, we're, we're, we've signed up here to, to uh, um, talk about the things that other people don't want to talk about or, or um, are very often avoided. But yes, uh, can I get a shout out for our guest and for our co-host, please? Uh, next Through Our Eyes podcast will be uh, next Thursday. Um, because obviously this one was delayed. Um, but, you know, it, back to usual schedule. Um, next uh, stream for me will be on Sunday. Um, please go give our, our guest and um, Pan uh, some love and uh, I hope you all have a good rest of your evening or day. I hope you all have a good rest of your week. Um, and uh, yes, thank you all for hanging out and have a good one. Say bye all. Bye. Bye.